what a privilege it is to be able to gather together in this place and worship with all of you this morning. Um, it is such an honor uh, just to be here. And man, I'm excited to be able to bring the word here this morning. It is uh, even more of an honor and a privilege to be able to preach the word here this morning. And I'm, I'm excited uh, to see what God has for us uh, here this morning. And so um, welcome to the church. We're glad that you're here. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Justin. I'm one of the pastors here. I oversee our community groups ministry. Uh, and so if I haven't met you, hi. It's nice to meet you. <laughs> um, well, if you have a Bible, go ahead and grab that. We're going to be in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. You're going to want to read this for yourself. And so grab that. Get that open there. And while you're doing that, uh, just a reminder, we have been in the middle, actually toward the end now, of this uh, series that we've titled Centered. And we've challenged the question, man, what does it look like to live lives that are centered in Jesus Christ? What does it look like to live a life in which everything in life is centered around Jesus? And if you remember, we, we talked about you know, time and, and how to manage your time in a way that, that gets us centered around Jesus. And last week, Pastor Ernie talked about uh, centering yourself through a space of silence and solitude that that's necessary for our centeredness in Christ, that it's necessary for us to order our private worlds, to, for, to order our hearts, right? And if you remember from last week, if you were here, uh, we had 30 seconds of terribly awkward silence, and then we had, what was it, a minute of productive silence in which we read through Psalm 23. And so this morning, I want to talk about the importance of God's word in that space of silence and solitude, the importance of God's word as, as, as the purpose for that silence and solitude. And so I have a question for us to consider this morning as we get started, and that is this. If your centeredness in Jesus Christ were to be measured by the quality time that you spend in God's word, what would be the result? If your centeredness in Christ were to be measured by your quality time in God's word, what would be the result? You see, I have this angstiness in my soul for the church of Jesus Christ because I am convinced that we are not men and women of the book. But my hope and my prayer today is that as you leave this place, you will be men and women of God's word. Amen? Yeah. Amen. And so what I want to do here this morning is I want to drop a little ember into your soul that I'm just praying that the Holy Spirit fans into flame and sets you on fire for the word of God, that sets you on fire for Jesus Christ, that you leave this place today and all you want to do is read God's word. That, that when you leave this place, you're not asking the question, what am I going to order from Lacanos? You're asking the question, what am I going to read in my Bible this morning? Amen? I'm not even preaching yet. This is my introduction. 
And so I want to answer a few questions here this morning as we try to center ourselves around God's word. And I want to answer the question, you don't have to write these down if you're taking notes, but I want to try to answer the question, what is the Bible? What is it? I want to answer the question, who is it for? And I want to answer the question, what does it do? What is the Bible? Who is it for? And what does it do? And so, um, again, if you have a Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 3, let me go ahead and pray for us, and then we'll dive into God's word. So, Father in heaven, Lord, we're just so thankful for your word. We're thankful for your grace. We're thankful, God, for your mercy. And Lord, I do pray, Lord, that as you preach your word here this morning, that you would just fan it into flame and that we would have a a newfound passion and a newfound eagerness and a newfound desire for your word. God, may you be honored and glorified. May your word be put on display here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 16, says this. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. And so my first point of the morning is this. The Bible is God's word. The Bible is God's word. Now, some of you might be looking at that up there on the screen thinking, of course it's God's word. I know it's God's word. Obviously, the Bible is God's word, Justin. But I think that when we consider this truth that the Bible is God's word, we hold it up here as a, as a concept, and it has no, no power to, to pierce into our practical everyday life. And so I think that this point, this point is important to make, that the Bible is God's word. All scripture is breathed out by God. All scripture is breathed out by God. The same God that sustains the world, the, the world by the word of his power, the scriptures say, is the same one that wrote that Bible in your hand. The same God that upholds your every breath is the same God that breathed life into that Bible in your hands. The Bible is God's word. I love what Pastor Blake said earlier uh, in in sermon prep this week or last week. I don't know, Sunday the first day of the week or the the last day of the week, I don't really know. Anyway, (laughs) gotta get going here. He said this, the Bible is not a book to be read, but rather something to be discovered. The Bible is not a book to be read, but rather it's something to be discovered. You see, I'm not inviting you to read a book here this morning. If you want to read a book, come talk to me. I've read 12 of them this year, and I got three more on the docket. I can give you a book to read. I'm not inviting you to read a book this morning. I'm inviting you to discover the very heart of God for you in Jesus Christ. You see, the Bible is an invitation into God's character. 
It's an invitation into who he is and what he is doing. You see, every bit of God's word from Genesis to Revelation is about God. It's about God. It's about God in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Everything from Genesis to Revelation is about Jesus, right? If you want to know what Genesis is about, the answer is Jesus. Exodus, Jesus. Leviticus, Jesus, Numbers, Jesus, Deuteronomy, Jesus, Joshua, Jesus, Judges, Jesus. All of the Bible is about Jesus from Genesis to Revelation, culminating in the last book of the Bible, which is the revelation of who? Jesus. It is not a revelation of end times. It is a revelation of Jesus Christ. And so I'm inviting you to know Jesus here this morning. I'm inviting you to have a passion and a desire for God's word. I have a passion for God's word if you haven't noticed already. So if the Bible is God's inspired word for us, then then that means that it doesn't matter where you start. It doesn't matter what book you decide to read first. You're going to learn about God's character. What I want us to do, I want us to be people who it doesn't matter. You can open up to the book of Numbers, which is probably the most boring book in the entire Bible, and be able to learn about Jesus. You can be able to learn about the character of God. I don't want us to approach the Bible and just say, hey, what does the Spirit have for me today? And then open it up with spirit sprinkle fingers to try to figure out what little nugget of truth God has for you. That's not how you read the Bible. You read the Bible to learn about God. You read the Bible to learn about Jesus. So, I'm 15 minutes in and barely through my first point. This is awesome. Let's get going. If the Bible is God's word, then there are a couple of implications that we have to consider, right? And the first is this. If the Bible is God's word, then that means that the Bible is absolute truth. The Bible is absolute truth. You see, truth does not exist inside of you. There is no your truth and my truth. Truth is not relative. Truth is outside of you, and it's fixed. Truth is outside of you, and it's absolute. And the Bible is truth. If the Bible is God's word and God is almighty, then that means that the word that he spoke is truth, and you have to sit under it. If we're going to center ourselves in Christ, if we're going to approach that place of silence and solitude, and we're going to open up God's word, we have to sit under the Bible as the absolute truth for our lives. There is no other truth, only God's word. There is a, a practical implication to the Bible being God's word. I think the second implication is that we must approach the Bible expecting for God to speak. We must approach the Bible expecting for God to speak. If we truly believe that the Bible is God's word, that it's breathed out of his mouth, then we must approach with the expectation that he's going to speak. So the Bible is God's 
word. That's point number one. And point number two is this. The Bible is for us. It is not against us. The Bible is for us. It is not against us. Look at what he says. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. The Bible is for us, it is not against us. And I think in the culture that we live in today, there's this misconception, right, that the Bible is somehow against us that the Bible has somehow committed crimes against humanity, that somehow the Bible is not for us, but the reality is that it actually is. It is for us because it is the word of God and God is for us, amen? Wasn't it God who orchestrated the plan of salvation? Was it not God who redeemed us from the pit and set our feet on the rock that is Jesus Christ? God is for us, and if God is for us, then his word is for us, not against us. So how is it for us? Look at, look at what he says. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching. At its most basic, basic function, the Bible teaches us. The Bible instructs us. The Bible gives us the information that we need to live lives of holiness and righteousness. The Bible teaches us. It informs us on how we should respond. It informs us on what's right and what's wrong. And it gives us plenty of examples of people who do it wrong, right? <laughs> but it gives hope. You see, if we're just listening to the world around us, we're gonna quickly become cynical because I don't know if you've looked at the news lately, but things look like they're off the rails. But when I read God's word, I remember that Jesus wins. It informs our perspective. It's not just a rule book. It's not a roadmap for life. It is not basic instructions before you leave earth. The Bible is God's self-disclosure about his self, and it's for us. It's for us. It teaches us. It also reproves and corrects us. He says, all scripture breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, and for correction. It reproves and corrects. This idea of reproof comes from the word that we use, proof. How do you know something is genuine? You have to prove its genuineness. And so what God's word does is it takes your life and it puts it up against the word of God and, and looks to see if you're genuine. Looks to see if you're living the life that God has called you to live. It's proving your genuineness. And it does that, reproof, over and over and over and over and over again on repeat but it also corrects, and I, and I love this. It's, it's, like a, it's like a coach. A coach tells you how to play the game, right? A coach says, hey, don't do it this way, do it that way. If I'm standing in the outfield with my baseball glove on my head, eating dandelions and chasing butterflies, the coach is gonna pull me aside and say, hey, 
That's not how you play the game. Put your glove on. Get ready to catch the ball. That's reproof and correction. I did eat dandelions. That's weird, I know. <laughs> Whatever. I was a kid. So it reproves and corrects us. If we're gonna let God lead, which is where Ernie left it last week, then we have to sit under its correction. We have to sit and we have to measure ourselves up against God's word to see if we're living the lives that he's called us to live. It also trains us in righteousness. Through the Bible, God trains us on how to live lives of righteousness by the power of the Holy Spirit. This idea of training is the idea of cultivation. It's, it, it requires work. Training requires work. Cultivation requires work. By putting in the work of reading the scriptures and studying it, the Holy Spirit will do the work of convicting you on where you need to change. It trains us in righteousness. If we're not reading the word, we're not gonna change much because we aren't training. We aren't listening to what God is telling us. You're not centering yourself in Christ. And so the Bible trains us for righteousness. And finally, he says that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Some of your Bibles say complete, equipped for every good work. This idea of, of competent or complete is the idea of, of, of it's fresh, it's new, it's perfect, like a house that has just been built and it has the walls and the roof is finished and it's painted nice. It's a complete house, it's fresh, it's new. But then the idea of equipping, you see it's not a home until it's equipped to be able to live in, right? And so, and so this idea of equipping is this idea of furnishing. You have a complete house, but it's not really a home until you put a bed in there and some tables and a place to sit and maybe some cups and, and, and some plates and some silverware so that you can live your life inside that house. And so what the Bible does is it creates us a complete house, a complete person equipped for every good work. You have everything you need for life and godliness. Everything you need for life and godliness. The Bible is for us. It is not against us. Who does not want to be complete? Raise your hand like you're not a Baptist, you know, who does not want to be, who wants to be complete in this room right now? There are a lot of Baptists in this room. Raise your hand. Come on, where are my Pentecostal brothers and sisters at? Let's go. The Bible is for us. It is not against us. The Bible is God's word. The Bible is for us. And finally, with 15 minutes left on the clock, I'm nailing it. The Bible is living and active. The Bible is living and active. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter four. Hebrews chapter four. Hebrews chapter four, verse 
12 says this, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, then discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart, and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. The Bible is living and active. This means that it's relevant to your life. It is relevant to your life. It is not a dead old book. It is not some antiquated work of old. The Bible is living and active. The Bible is able to speak into your life and into my life in a way that nothing else can. The Bible is active. It transforms the world around it. It does not submit to the world around it. It transforms the world around it. It is living and it is active. It speaks into culture. It speaks into pain. It speaks into the unknown. It gives life in a way that nothing else can. Even though it is old, it is still able to speak into our lives today. If the Bible was old and dead, it would only apply to the people that it was written to. But we know that that's not the case. We know that you can read a passage of scripture and it can impact you in a way that nothing else can. And then I can read that same scripture and it can impact me in a completely different way. Like that's not gonna happen if I read Homer's Iliad. I could do without it, right? But the word of God is different. The word of God is living and active. My wife and I were talking about this uh, a couple of days ago, and I just have to quote her here because this is pretty awesome. But it says this, she says this, she says, the Bible is living and active because it was inspired by the Holy Spirit who is God and who is eternally alive. So every word on every page is living and active simply because it is God's words. It's pretty amazing. I I liked it. It is living and active. It divides soul and spirit, spirit, joint and marrow, and discerns the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Now, there are a lot of theological little nuances to this passage, but to just keep it simple, what he's saying here is that it is able to divide between the spiritual and the physical. You see, we live in a body in which a spirit resides. It's not really possible for us to separate the two, but what God's word can do is it can separate those two things. It's able to divide those two things. The, the Bible is able to, uh, because it's living and active, speak life into your spirit, speak life into your mind in a way that nothing else can. It's able to speak into your body as well. Think about it. As God speaks into your mind and he frees you from things like depression and things like anxiety and things like debilitating fear, we don't go to a psychologist for those things. We go to the word of God because the word of God is living and active. And as we are freed from those things, our physical bodies experience life. Have you ever been freed from a fear 
and just had the weight drop. King David in Psalm 31 said, when I was disobedient to your word, my bones wasted away. My bones wasted away. The Bible is able to speak life into your spirit. It is able to speak life into your body. Not only does it speak life and activate change, not only does it speak life into our weird soul and spirit, not only does it provide relief and restoration from our, the physical effects of stress and anxiety, but it also able to discern the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. You see, the Bible is able to cut down in a way that nothing else can. As we get into that place of silence and solitude, as we get into that place to center ourselves around Jesus Christ, and we open up the word of God, and we sit under its authority, what it does is, is, it, is it cuts us open. And we're naked, and we're exposed, and all of us is on display in the presence of Jesus Christ. And what does he do? Well, like the engine, that, that motor that, that Ernie put up on the screen last week, where he had to take it out of the machine and put it on the table and tear it apart and pull the little messed up pieces out. This is what God does with us through the word. We bring our brokenness and we lay it down in the presence of Jesus Christ. And what does he do? He says, let me have that. Give me that. Give me that fear. No, 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 don't go that way. Go, let's go this way. This is the way to life. This is the way to life. No, 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 no. Shh, shh. Don't go that way. <laughs> Give me that. Let me have that. The Bible is God's word. The Bible is for us. The Bible is living and active so, so what do we do then? What now? Where do, we, where do we go from here? How do we cultivate the word in that place of silence and solitude? How do we sit under that, that word of God? I think the first thing that we, knew, we need to do is we just need to read it. We just need to read it, man. Like just... Take in information. Listen to what God has to say. Look for his character in it. Look for the ways in which he is completely patient. Just read it. There are so many ways that you can start reading the Bible. Ernie gave a couple just a couple weeks ago. He, he said, start in the book of Luke. Or start in Ephesians. That would be a, a beautiful place for you to start reading God's word because we're getting ready to, to preach through Ephesians here in a couple of weeks. And so as you read through the word, you can write down your questions and hopefully your answers, you will get answers to those questions as we preach through that book together and we learn about this book together. That's a perfect place for you to start. Personally, I've got an app on my phone and I just audio Bible the thing. Like, that's okay. <laughs> you can audio Bible the Bible, right? 
And so I got this app on my phone called Dwell. And, and in this app, there's like a few different people that you can just choose to have read the Bible to you. And so I choose this Australian lady named Rosie, and Rosie reads me the Bible to ambient music, and it's fantastic. And yes, my wife does know that Rosie reads me the Bible. There are so many ways for you to just start reading the Bible. Five minutes in the Bible a day will put you through the entire book in less than three years. Some of you have been believers in this room for decades and you've never read through the Bible. Start there. Five minutes, three years. Read it. Number two, study the word. This is you actually taking time to look at a few different scriptures, a few different verses, maybe a passage of scripture. I do this through the Psalms. I open up and I read one Psalm a day and I write down my thoughts. What is God saying here? What was he saying then? What is he saying now? What is he saying? How can I apply this to my life? Basic studying of God's word. And then finally, meditate on the word. Meditate on the word. This is you internalizing what God has said to you. This looks like you maybe memorizing a verse or a, or a, a small passage of scripture. And I know when I say that, some of you are like, ah, I can't do that. Kevin, remember where I put my keys, man. You can do it. You have to do it. We have to do it. We have to write it on our hearts. We have to write it on our minds. Write it on a three by five card, just a verse, your favorite verse. Write it down and carry it around with you in your pocket. This is how I memorized the book of James when I was driving around for a bakery up in Seattle. And I just pulled those things out and I memorized it. I was able to memorize that whole book that way. You can do it. <laughs> you can do it. I want you to read the word. I want you to study the word. This is in your quiet space, and I want you to meditate on the word. And again, all I want to do, if you get anything from this, I just want to set you on fire for God's word this morning. I just want to set you on fire for God's word this morning. Just drop that ember into your soul that the spirit just fans into flame so that when you leave this place, you want to read the word. Imagine what would happen if everyone in this, in this room was a man, man and woman of the book. Imagine what our our community would be like, our town would be like. We would tear down the stronghold of the enemy in this place and we would set up the kingdom of God on this mountain, amen? Heaven God, we give you the praise and we give you the honor and we give you the glory. Thank you for your word, for your leading. In Jesus' name.